Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, May 13, 2021. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week. we got WrestleMania Backlash coming up this weekend from WWE. But before then, we got Raw superstar Braun Strowman back here on WrestleRant Radio to talk all about his upcoming opportunity at the WWE Championship, that triple threat with Drew McIntyre and uh, Bobby Lashley on Sunday show, which is going to be a great match. He talks all about that. Uh, the last couple of months in the last year for him in WWE, kind of leading SmackDown through the pandemic as the Universal Champion. Recent booking, his thoughts on the fans, his health, diet, uh, the feud with Shane, and so much more. So we're going to have that conversation kick off the show, followed by my conversation with, as always, Mr. Marceau, breaking down Dynamite, NXT, and Raw from this past week before offering predictions for WrestleMania Backlash on Sunday. So you guys can check out new episodes of the show every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcast, and on Podbean. You can rate the show, review the show, and subscribe to the show. Never miss an episode every single Thursday. So with all that being said, let's get right into it. My interview with WWE Raw superstar, Braun Strowman. Hey, Braun, how you doing, man? Not too bad yourself. Doing great, man. Of course, coming up, we got WrestleMania Backlash. You're going to be in the WWE Championship match alongside Drew McIntyre, Bobby Lashley, qualifying last Monday. Kind of a crazy turn of events in the matter of days. How cool is it to be back in the main event of a pay-per-view for the World Championship? Man, it's just solidifying what I've been talking about for months and months and months. The monster's back on the top of the food chain where it belongs. And, uh, you know, uh, it's been a long, hard road to get back into the title picture and stuff like that. But, uh I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I mean, it's a battle of titans. You got three larger than life human beings set setting foot inside of a ring, you know. And uh, with a triple threat, there's not too many rules involved. So you know, with with Braun Strowman, if it ain't bolted to the ground, and if it, well, even if it's bolted to the ground, if it ain't bolted down good, I'm probably gonna pick it up and use it as a weapon. So I'm really <laughs> looking forward to it. Uh, you know, both those guys. I mean, this, this is big fight. This is, I mean, this is as big as it gets. I mean, you, in sports entertainment, there are no three larger athletes than myself, Drew, and Bobby. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to the, the battle of the Titans. Well, like you said, this is no ordinary triple threat. This is, you know, three of the biggest superstars in WWE right now between yourself, Bobby, and Drew. Um, and specifically with them, you've had some of your best matches in WWE, I would say, with both Drew and uh, Bobby in respective singles competition over the years. How cool is it to be sharing a ring with those guys, not just individually, but at this point in a triple threat match on pay-per-view? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, Bobby and Drew have been able to bring, I mean, the, even more of a monster out of me than anybody else has in the past and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I know what they're both capable of. I know how devastating uh, both of them can be with the Claymore and the Hurt Lock and stuff like that. Um, 
uh, unfortunately, I've been on the receiving end of both of them, and uh, I don't look to, to to end up that way this time. You know, uh, have a get one of those guys up on the shoulder and running power slam one two three. You know, it usually goes that way. So uh, you know, it's just. It's a numbers game, uh, you know, and at some point I have a feeling they're both going to end up trying to gang up on me, and it's, mm. uh, I don't blame them. I mean, let's be for real, uh, I'm a bad SOB, so, you know, uh, <laughs> you got to do whatever you can do to try and put me down, but uh, that's what I look forward to. I like fighting from underneath and stuff like that. It's a very, it's a very rarity that I get to fight from underneath, being the, that I am larger than nature intended at six foot eight and 385 pounds and stuff like that. So I'm really, really looking forward to getting in there. And like I said, I mean, this is, this is big fight feel. This is big man chopping meat. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be tactical. It's going to be a war. It's, it's three alpha predators fighting for dominance on top of the mountain. Yeah. It's King Kong meets Godzilla meets the incredible Hulk. I mean, this is a show for the ages. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's a great way of putting it. Godzilla, Kong, and Hulk. That's a great way of putting it. Uh, Battle of the Giants, Clash of the Titans, as you said. Having been in the in the ring with both Lashley and McIntyre before in singles matches over the years, aside from yourself, obviously, being put in the equation, of the two, who would you say is the stronger superstar between Mac, uh, between McIntyre and Bobby Lashley? And that's a... I don't, I don't know, honestly. At any given day, man, both of those guys, like I said, I mean, they've... They push me to the limits, and you know, you know, and it's—they're both very, very dominant athletes. I mm-hmm. mean, I—I'm not going to give either one of them an inch in who's stronger, who's better. They're both badasses, man. Let's be for real. Look at them. I mean, Drew McIntyre's six foot six, two hundred seventy-five pounds. Bobby Lazar's six foot three, two hundred sixty-five pounds. I mean, they're—they're they're men. This is men going to war, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be a crazy triple threat. But let's go back a little bit. You mentioned the last year for you and how crazy it's been. You know, obviously you're in the WWE Championship match at the upcoming WrestleMania Backlash pay-per-view. But going back a year, you were the Universal Champion at this time a year ago, winning the title at WrestleMania from Goldberg, the whole feud with Bray and The Fiend. You were off TV for a little while, nursing the, re- the injury, being back on Raw. How crazy has this last year been for you with everything that's gone on? Man, it's just wow. I mean... One, what an honor it's been through all this crazy stuff to be able to represent the company and, you know, push forward through uncharted territories. I mean, it, it was a struggle to figure out and get everything and keep our show going last year at the beginning of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was a learning learning process for everybody and being thrown right into the middle of the fire and, you know, per se taking the company on my back and doing my best to keep carrying it forward and things like that. It was an honor to do it. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like it was well, well earned. You know, it wasn't one of those things like I don't I don't, I don't believe I deserve anything. I believe I've earned everything that I have in my life. And I, and I think that's why I've been in the positions that I am. And I continue to be put into the positions that I am is because, I mean, let's be real. You guys saw what I did this past Monday. I, I see the Internet's going nuts talking about some record that I broke that nobody in <laughs> WWE, WCW, WCW has ever done in the past with wrestling a two-on-one handicap match, a tag team match, and then wrestling an almost a, yeah, what, 20-minute main event singles match all in, all in one night. I mean, mm-hmm. that doesn't show you that I'm the Clydesdale of WWE, that you can hook your plow up to the back of me, and I'm going to till your whole damn field. I don't know what else to tell you. So it is, man, just being able to go out there and continue to do what I do uh, you know, putting smiles on people's faces at the end of the day. That's what we're all about. And it, it's an awesome opportunity uh, 
you know, every chance I get to go out there in front of the WWE Universe, being back, having some fans at WrestleMania really, really lit a fire back up underneath me and stuff. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what we do this for, man. The money, the fame, and all that stuff. I The, the fame I hate, honestly. I'll be straight up with you. I hate It's hard to go out in public, you know, at my size and stuff like that. But hearing that audience, seeing the fans, seeing the kids, everybody, the emotions, uh, you know, taking taking them on this ride with us. I mean, that's what being a WWE superstar is about. It ain't about going out there and wrestling for 15, 20 minutes once or twice here and there. It's about being able to connect with people, being able to, to influence people's lives. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, we're, we're all superheroes. And it's such an amazing opportunity at life. It's such an amazing job that I have being a WWE superstar. I just keep looking forward to whatever the that the company puts in front of me, you know, with whoever it is, line them up. I'll knock them down and let's keep rolling. The Stroman Express moves on. Yeah, for sure, man. And I'm glad you brought up the fans and being back in front of a crowd at WrestleMania just a few short weeks ago. And Braun Strowman, the character, has been through a lot over the last year. I mean, when we last saw you in front of fans, you were, you know, a beloved hero. You had that dark turn for a little while during the Fiend feud last summer. You've been through a lot. So when you walk out in front of a crowd at WrestleMania, 25,000 people or whatever it was um, in Tampa, are you, like, having not been in front of a crowd for over a year, are you nervous? Are you, like, thinking, how are they going to react to me? Like, is it a weird experience being back in front of fans for the first time in a while? It definitely was. It was. It, well, yeah, it was just crazy. I mean, I, I, I had to fight back tears. I'm honestly. I mean, it was just such an emotional thing of just being happy. It was just that, that feeling that I haven't had in so long. There's, it's a drug. It's a drug coming out. I'm not even gonna lie. There's no feeling on earth when your music hits and you walk out and the entire place throws their hands over there and they scream with you. It is such an addictive feeling. It is so amazing. And I'll be straight up honest. When I walked out, they blew so much CO2 smoke all over the stage when I came out. I, I couldn't see anything, so I froze because <laughs> I was afraid. I was afraid I was gonna walk off the stage. I mean, we're talking like a 15 foot drop. So yeah. I just stood there because I didn't. I didn't know where the ramp was. I didn't know anything. I was like, all right. And I could hear the people rumbling a little bit because they knew I was somewhere in that smoke. And as that smoke dissipated, the crowd just came alive. And I've got goosebumps right now. My hair standing up on my arms thinking mm -hmm. about it. It was just, oh, man, it's just, yeah, that's why we do this. It, it reminded me why I continue to do this, why I love this, why I fell in love with this business, and why I'm going to continue to keep busting my ass to put smiles on people's faces, man. It's I love it. That's all there is to it. I'm a country boy with the coolest job in the world, and I'm blessed to be able to go out here week after week and do this. And, man, I just I look forward to it every week. I mean, it's, like I said, going from wrestling four days a week to one day a week. Mm -hmm. For a while for a while it was nice. The body liked it and things like that. But I, I, miss, I miss the road. I miss the buzz. I miss the hustle and the bustle and all that. I mean, it's what I fell in love with. It's what I'm used to and things like that. And it's cool seeing that there's a little light at the end of the tunnel, and I think we're going to get back to traveling soon and doing things like that so it's really really exciting seeing what's moving forward especially after the chaotic year that everyone's had yeah no for sure and i think during this pandemic era too we've seen you get a lot more mic time on the shows as well which is weird because you would kind of expect that during the fan era but we've been getting a lot we've been hearing a lot more from you without the fans uh would you say you're more comfortable in front of the fans or not in front of the fans when it comes to like cutting promos without having anyone to really feed off of? Because I feel like in some certain circumstances, it can be a benefit, too. Um, I think there's pros and cons to it, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, 
it, 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 it's a little tricky sometimes, you know, manipulating the crowd, especially when they're they're on their game trying to screw you up and stuff like that. Because, I mean, let's be for real, that's what it ends up being. You know, yeah. they're, they're, they're trying to get us to mess up, and we're trying to get them to mess up, and it's a fun little game. But at the same time, doing the stuff without any audience there is either, I, I feel is even more intimidating. I feel it's it's, it's more intimate. You're, there's more pressure because you can't hide behind the cheers and the boos of the crowd. You're there. You forget a line. Guess what? There ain't nobody to save you and stuff like that. And, and so I, I feel with having no audience there, it's an even more intimate of a feeling. It's a little bit tougher, like I said, because you're just constantly under that microscope of that mm-hmm. red, 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 red light of the live camera. So that's what I said. It's just it's been a learning curve for all of us, and I think it's been good. It's been good for everyone. I think it's it's made everybody tighten their game up. It's made everybody work on their promos, and I, I think it's. It's it's going to help out in the long run. I mean, the only thing that that I think hurts with everybody is for some of the younger talent. I think it's just not getting the reps in with mm. uh, having our live events and stuff like that. So it's going to be a little tougher to to you know cut your teeth in this industry right now if you're trying to make a name for yourself and things like that. And but at the same time, it, it's been nice you know just not being as beat up. Let's be for real. This job's very, very demanding on the body and stuff like that. So it's been cool, kind of cool with that. And then having a little bit of time to take a step back and realize how blessed I am and how amazing the last. I mean, I haven't even been doing this for six years. Mm-hmm. And in, in, uh, in less than six years, I'm, I'm one title away from being a, a, a what is it, a triple crown or a grand slam yeah. champion or whatever it is. I mean, I've, yeah, in, in less than six years, I've been tag team champs twice, money in the bank, Andre the Giant Battle Memorial, greatest Royal Rumble, universal champ, intercontinental champ. Now I'm in the title picture for the WWE Heavyweight Championship. And uh, like I said, that's where I belong. I mean, I'm the main event monster. It's, it's, this is my show. When I go out there, I do what I want to do. And, Somebody has to pay the consequences. It's usually putting some poor soul looking across the ring at me. <laughs> and it's cool that we got to have you as part of WrestleMania, too, because like I said earlier, you were out hurt for a little while late last year. You came back in the Rumble. You disappeared again for a little bit until uh, you know reemerging for the Shane McMahon storyline. Uh, was that always the plan to be facing Shane at WrestleMania? And I mean, obviously there was a story there going into the show, so it didn't really feel all that abrupt. But you know, there were rumblings. We might have seen you in the title picture months ago with Drew, and now we're kind of getting it now, which is cool. Uh, was the Shane match always the plan, as far as you know, going into WrestleMania as far back as February? Um, it, it's been a, it's been a seed planted for a while. Shane and I have wanted to do one for quite a few years now, and stuff like that. I mean, behind the scenes, we have a pretty good relationship and stuff like that. And I mean, let's be for real, Shane's a lunatic, so I mean that, that works great great with my style because I mean I'm yeah, I don't go out there and tr- think about anything. I just do it. So it ended up working out good and things like that. And that insane, you know, I was in the title picture all last year, and you know, it, it's sometimes fans are fickle and it's hard to keep them happy, and you know. One minute they want you to be champ, one minute they hate you and they don't want you to be champ. So I was thinking of something, how, how can I stay relevant? How can I do something to better our show, help our product without being in the title picture? Because I feel like everybody always, you know, everybody wants to be champ. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be in the title picture. And not always that's not what's best for our show. Sometimes you got to, you know, take a step down and figure out how to fill in and, you know, fill, fill the gaps in that need to be filled in to make our product a whole. And that, and that's what I felt like I needed to do at this time and point was take a step back from the title picture. How can I contribute to the show without being that main attraction like everything else is? It's time for these guys to shine. I mean, Bobby Lashley, freaking A, man, he's been doing this shit, pardon my French, uh, for 
20 years, you know, and he's got an opportunity and he made the most out of it, man. He's killing it. I mean, Bobby is a specimen of a human being. He's a stud in the ring. He's a stellar man. And, and you know, he, he's earned everything that he's got. Same with Drew McIntyre. He's been around the world. These guys have, you know, 20 years in the business. They've done it. They've seen it. You know, they, they've earned their right to, to be at the top of the mountain. And now I'm coming back. You know, at the end of the day, that's what we all want to be. Everybody wants to be the champion. Let's be for real. If you're, if you're wrestling for second place, you're, you're wrestling to be a loser. So, I, you know, everybody wants to be on top of the mountain, and, and, and it's time to see who the king is. Yeah, no, for sure, man. And one of the benefits of you being gone for a little while was that you came back in just incredible shape. And I think this might be the best shape that you've ever been in your entire career. And obviously, you can speak better that more than I can. But talk a little bit about your diet and what you've been doing since your time off and coming back on the road and coming back to the shows and whatnot. Uh, what's your diet been like to get in this great shape that you've been in right now? Man, it's just been a consistency thing. I try to tell people, like, you know, uh, getting in shape and working out, it's it's only about 15% of it is done in the gym and, and on the treadmill and stuff like that. It's 85% mentally and, and your preparation in the kitchen and stuff like that. So it's just one of these things I've always known of how to eat and been done. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, let's be for real, that, that healthy eating isn't always the most tasty stuff. I mean, I like cheeseburgers and pizzas and cake and all that other things. But it was just, you know, <laughs> buckling down and telling myself, hey, you can't have that. And just getting consistency and it's not like i don't i always tell people it's not a diet it's a lifestyle mm-hmm. it's, it's just changing it's changing your outlook is like now i i mean don't even know these past like the last two weeks after wrestlemania i've been going crazy because i buckled down so much so i'll tighten it back down but you know you get into a mental thing where you you're not eating for taste you're eating for nutrients you're eating for what you know your body needs to 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 continue to grow continue to be healthy and stuff like that and, and it, it was a big thing for me of a mental challenge as well as i was going through some rough stuff in my personal life and wasn't happy with a lot of things and you know i was just one day i was like man i need to change some stuff and uh what better time you know with having this extra time on our hands and things to be able to buckle down in the kitchen prep my food you know, work with a nutritionist, work with a trainer and stuff like that, and then just get after it. I mean, it's just what it really is. I mean, I, I'm a big, I'm a big believer. And if you don't give up on yourself, the world won't give up on you. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's just work. I enjoy it. It's something to do to push myself, something different. And it's fun. I, I, it's really neat, especially too, to see the outreach and the, the feedback from my fans, family, friends and stuff from around the world that also have seen this, transformation this weight loss stuff that i've done and, and it's inspired them to to live healthier i mean i have people sending me messages that have lost 100 pounds 200 pounds moms that said they completely changed the way they cook for their kids and all this other stuff because they want to have a healthier life because they see how happy i am with this transformation and how much fun and more quality of life it's not about how much life you have it's how good of a life you have mm-hmm. and, and it's really neat that knowing that through my trials and tribulations and mental things that I deal with and finding sanctuary in the gym and my nutrition that I'm also helping other people do it. And I mean, at the end of the day, man, that's why we're human beings. It's like we lean on each other. That's why, I mean, that's why we're the superior race on the earth. At least we, I think we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But that, 
Yeah, but I mean, that's what at the end of the day, I mean, it's it's having good friends, you know, and things like that. Uh, people in the industry are very fortunate with my strongman background. You know, I know some of the, the top bodybuilders, nutritionists and stuff in the world. So being able to pick their brains and learn stuff because my whole life it's been how many I need to get in all these calories. I need to pick this as much weight up as I can. And it gets to a point where your body can only take so much of that. So now it's training and teaching the muscles to do different things. Plus, I don't have to be picking up cars every day like I used to with straw man and stuff like that. Every once in a while, I might lose my temper and flip one over and stuff, you know. But <laughs> and now, now it's basically uh, I I lift weights because I need to look good naked per se, you know. I used to run, I used to I used to walk out of the shower and run past the mirror because I hated the way I looked. And now I take a, a second, I look at myself, and I'm like, damn. You did that. You look good, man. Congrats. And it's just it's just a cool thing, you know, it's a, to be able to pat yourself on the back every once in a while because you know that your hard work is paying off. Yeah, no, for sure, man. That's what it's all about. That's awesome. Uh, one last quick question before I before I let you go. With Raw, you know, it, it's a difficult show sometimes compared to SmackDown and NXT with the formatting. It's a three-hour show. Sometimes it can obviously be harder to, you know, come up with creative stuff and put stuff together, stuff like that. Now, having been on Raw, you've been on Raw for a majority of your career, uh, what's one thing that you feel that right now the show is actually doing pretty well that fans aren't giving enough credit to on Raw currently, as well as one thing you would like to see be improved upon in the future with Raw? Oh, man. Uh, that's a tough question. I don't know, man. I, 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 the boys and girls in the back, man, we all work really, really hard and stuff. And it's just, I don't know. I just, honestly, I'm just enjoying the, the, the it's been a little chaotic and stuff mm -hmm. like that because everything's been all over and, you know, people get sick and things change last minute. And, and, and part of me enjoys that. I'm not going to lie. Like, as much as I get worked up and stressed out like oh my god the sky's falling yeah. <laughs> yeah those days those days when it's like that and everything's chaos when you go out there and this past monday's a prime example everything was crazy because people got hurt people were sick this and that and mm -hmm. stuff changes and all of a sudden you're in three matches and you're an hour and 10 minutes worth of a three-hour show and you're freaking out but when you get out there and you get it done you hit a home run it's such a satisfactory feeling of just like that <sighs> sigh of relief like we did it mm -hmm. and it's neat it's neat and stuff like that you know with, with the stress of being able to go out there and do it and i don't know man i just as far as changing the show and stuff like that i i, I don't know i mean everybody's we're firing on all cylinders and i think it's just uh a lot of the stuff's just hard right now and people are getting all fussy about stuff and it's just because there's so much other things out there mm -hmm. you know it's not like back it's not like back in the 90s when it was like you had two wrestling shows on or or the news now it's like you got the news you got football this and that and blah 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 and everything on your phone and tiktok and youtube and then everybody's attention is just all over the place so we're doing everything we can in our power you know to to keep people's attention spans directed mm -hmm. to us i mean let's be for real how many people how often do you watch live television yeah no it's a good question That's exactly yeah so so it's a tough <laughs> it's a tough word it's a tough time right now with everything with how technologically advanced everybody is and their phones and everything so it, it's a challenge to be honest it's such it's a challenge for everything yeah. that's on television to try and draw the live viewership and things like that because i'll be honest i haven't even had cable wow. in my house in the last decade that's crazy and i don't even want i want yeah i keep up with stuff i will keep up with our show via our apps on social media and stuff like that and, and so i think about that kind of things and it's just 
I think we're doing a good job, you know, with with everything that's out there in the world at everybody's fingertips and things like that. I like I said, I, I think we constantly go above and beyond to do everything that we can to keep our viewers entertained and and drawing new new viewers, new demographics and stuff like that. It's neat seeing the crossover we had with WrestleMania with having Bad Bunny uh, coming out there and, and what a performance he had. Like, let's mm. be for real. Holy cow! Did anybody expect that? <laughs> yeah, I know, he right? He just exceeded all expectations. He, dude, yeah. it tears the damn building, it tears the roof off the place, and there wasn't even one on it. He built yeah. a roof just to tear it down <laughs> and things like that. So it's neat, you know, crossing over and doing this stuff and just you stay, just, we're, it's WWE. It's what we do, you know. We're, we're the forefathers of so many things in entertainment. You look at so many other avenues in sports and entertainment that have stolen ideas from us and things like that. And that just goes to show you that we're doing our job and things like that. So, at the end of the day, you know, it, yeah, I can't think of anything that I, that I would want to change and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I, that's what I said. I just enjoy the process. At the end of the day, too, man. It's my job. I got. I go to work, and they tell me what to do, and I go out there and I do the best that I can, <laughs> and then hope for another opportunity a week later. Exactly. That's all you can do, man. That's all you can do. Well, Bron, thanks a lot for the time. Uh, people can get you out on Raw every single Monday night and at WrestleMania Backlash against Drew and Bobby for the WWE Championship. Uh, Bron, this has been great, man. Thanks so much for the time. I appreciate it. Cheers. Yes, sir. Thanks for talking. Thanks again to Braun for the time. We originally spoke for an interview last summer when he was Universal Champion, and I think I shared that interview here on the show as well when that originally ran. I think it was in July of last year. And I enjoyed this conversation too, so you guys can also check out the interview in article form over on Bleacher Report as well. And the audio has currently been available and has been available since early last week over on my YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash Graham GSM Matthews. Um, you can check out another interview I did from this past week with another WWE superstar in video form, but the audio of which will be shared here on WrestleRant Radio next Thursday. So let's transition on over to my other conversation for this week with Mr. Marceau, breaking down NXT Dynamite Raw and offering predictions for Sunday's WrestleMania Backlash pay-per-view. Mr. Marceau, brother, how you doing? Doing well, GSM, doing well. You're on your way to work as we speak, so therefore the quality is not going to be as strong as it usually is. I'm not calling you over FaceTime audio, so it's a little bit different than usual. Yeah, it feels a little bit different, but, you know, I gotta make money, people. So I'm dealing with it. <laughs> hey, if it means close, a close to if it if it means a return to normalcy, then it's well worth it. Oh, 100 percent. You're a fully vaccinated, Mr. Marceau. We're going to be seeing you in about 10 days here in the CT area, which is excellent. We're looking forward to it. But before then, we got a lot to break down, including WrestleMania backlash this coming weekend. We got a pay per view on Sunday. For those who have forgotten, we're going to save the predictions for the end of the show. Um, but before then, I got a lot to say about Dynamite last night, the good, the bad, and the... Uh, I was going to say ugly, but there really wasn't a lot of terrible from the show. But I know you have varying thoughts on the show than from what I do, so we'll get into that. In addition to Raw and NXT from this past week. Um, but before we go any further, i got to get this in there. I literally just read this about an hour before we started speaking. Uh, from Fightful Select, they're reporting that Zelina Vega, very surprising name, might be on her way back to WWE. So she was released back from the company. The, sh- the long and short of it is that she was released back in November, uh, apparently because she breached her contract and continuing to work with Twitch and all these other third-party officiates, uh, affiliates or whatever, and they let her go. We haven't really heard anything from her since, and she hasn't signed with anywhere. She ha- Her 90-day no-compete clause expired in February, but it's May, and she hasn't signed anywhere, any major wrestling promotion as far as we know. And per Fightful Select, she was spotted at the Performance Center filming something just recently. Now, 
as we speak right now, the news is still breaking, so it might change, and we might find out that she was only there because her husband still works for the company. I have no idea, but when you hear that, Mr. Marceau, are you surprised that Zelina Vega might be on her way back to WWE? Yeah, especially since Andrade's not there. I mean, I, I like Zelina Vega. I mean, I, I loved her as, the, as a mouthpiece or manager for the, for Andrade and the little faction that she had, her little uh, faction she had on Raw for a few few months, and then they just kept losing, and then they broke up, and then she was gone. So, I mean, I don't. I think she's fine in the ring by herself, but I think she thrives in more of like a GM or uh, kind of manager role. Maybe she comes back and. She kind of combats uh, Sonya Deville for Adam Pierce, maybe. I mean, I, I don't think that's a great idea, but I mean, it's something. I mean, maybe she keeps going over Adam Pierce, and then he just brings in Zelina Vega, and they kind of figure something out. I don't know. I think that'd be pretty decent. It's a decent storyline, and somehow Adam can then get his come up and done Sonya. So I don't think it's a horrible idea. I don't think it's the greatest idea, but it's it's a it's an idea at that. I'm going to be honest with you. I think that's a better idea than putting her back in the ring. Um, that was the last that we saw of her. I think she lost the match to Bianca Belair on SmackDown or she was involved in a triple threat or something as a qualifier for Survivor Series. Either way, she was in the ring the last time that we saw her. She had been uh, split away from Andrade and Angel Garza. I don't think Angel Garza needs her for one, but um, you know maybe they could put them back together, worst case scenario. Her husband works there, so if she wants to be back, that's great. Um, I think she'd be a great asset to really any company that she goes to. I really don't think her strengths are in the ring. I do completely agree. I think she's best suited as a manager or as an on-air either authority figure like Sonya Deville, as an example. I think is better in the ring than Zelina, in my opinion. She's been doing well in her current role. I don't know where it's going. Um, but I think Zelina in that role would be better. As long as it keeps her out of the ring, that's really all uh, I'm content with at the moment. But, um, yeah, I thought that was a little bit surprising. I think if she ends back up in WWE, that's great. It is disappointing. We probably won't see her back with Andrade on the independent scene before then because I thought that was a money pairing. Uh, maybe Andrade can find a different manager if he goes elsewhere, like a Ring of Honor or an AEW or whatever. But, uh, yeah, we'll see where that goes. But speaking of AEW, let's get right into Dynamite from last night, from May 12, 2021. I thought overall it was a very newsworthy show. And as, as we're going to do in a little bit with Raw and NXT... Before we get to the backlash predictions, um, I'm just going to pick apart like the highlights from each show. And NXT is usually a pretty enjoyable show. I enjoyed this week's show. Um, we're not going to be breaking down every match or every segment. A lot like with Raw, because a lot of Raw is completely forgettable and throwaway, and there's really no need to discuss it. Um, but Dynamite, I want to go match by match here, because there was a lot to discuss from the show, including the opener, which I know you didn't catch a lot of. I did. I thought it was a very good match. John Moxley, Yuji Nagata for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. Again, like I said, we discussed this before we went live here. You said you didn't watch much of the mat, most of the match. Is that correct, Mr. Marceau? Uh, I, I zipped through most of it. I caught a little bit of it, though. I thought it was a good match. I enjoyed it for what it was. I know really nothing next to nothing about this Nagata guy. I know he's a legend over in Japan, but I think the bigger picture here is not so much Nagata coming in, uh, to AEW for a one-off, which I thought was cool, and the fact that it was a good match. But it opens the doors for AEW to hopefully work more with New Japan in the future. Now, again, you don't closely follow the New Japan product like I do. I mean, I don't even follow the product. But what I'm saying is I don't closely follow it either. Um, would you be interested slash excited to see more New Japan talent come on over? Not solely to work with John Moxley over his U.S. championship, but to work with AEW in general and do more of that crossover stuff. Um, not particularly. I mean, I don't really follow their 
company at all. And I mean, I think they have trouble enough booking their people correctly and booking interesting stuff. So bringing more people or just the money to water just has zero interest for me. I mean, I think it'd be cool considering how much talent they have over there, but AEW already has a lot of talent as it, you know, currently does. So they would have to utilize the people properly. But if it's for, like, an occasional, like, an attraction match or something on pay-per-view, like an Okada versus Omega, like, running that back or something, um, I think that'd be cool. So we'll see where that goes. But we got Double or Nothing coming up. We got a multiple, we got a ton of Double or Nothing match announcements on this episode of Dynamite on Wednesday, including Cody Rhodes and Anthony Gogo. Now, personally, I know you don't agree. I thought this was a very good show overall. This was probably the biggest problem I had with this show was the promo. Now, I thought it was very well delivered. I thought I think Cody Rhodes is one of the best talkers, not only in the company, but really all in wrestling on the whole. I just don't think the material of the promo, and he was touching upon some sensitive subjects like race and politics and stuff like that, which didn't really bother me personally, it was a lot of serious subjects for a feud that no one really gives a shit about. Now, Cody previously beat QT Marshall last week at Blood and Guts. Anthony Agogo attacked him afterward. I expected them to add that match to the pay-per-view. I'm glad they're doing Agogo and Rhodes and not Rhodes and Marshall at the pay-per-view. That's at least a plus. But, like, he's trying to make this a bigger deal than it actually is. It was a very long promo talking about why... England can't invade the United States and why we need to defend our territory. He has to go back to being the American dream. Blah, 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 blah. It was like a 20-minute promo where all he had to say was, as opposed to billing it like as an announcement, which is what this was advertised as, all you had to say, Cody Rhodes challenges Anthony Agogo a double or nothing. The interview that we got with Britt Baker later on in the show, that's kind of what we probably should have gotten here with a 30-second pre-tape from Cody challenging Anthony Agogo and have that be it. I think it's cool that Cody is cutting more meaningful promos again because he's really been floundering for months now, but I thought the promo itself did not match the nature of the feud, which I thought was weird. No, I, I think Cody is one of the best talkers in wrestling. I think his delivery is always very well done. But like you said, I just think the promo itself just missed the plot. I mean, he acts like Great Britain is the Soviet Union in the 80s. I mean, it, I, he's saying that he doesn't want England to invade the United States, got to defend the country. It's like, that's one of our biggest allies. I know, theoretically, a go-go attack, I mean, from Great Britain, I, I get that kind of connection, but, I mean, it just doesn't really make sense. And the feud's been built up for, what, a week? Not even. Mm-hmm. So, I thought, very long promo, and I agree with you, I should have just been one of those things, like, you just come, even if he came out, he'd just be like, I challenge you to double or nothing, I'm going to kick your ass, or something like that, like, something very quick, like, give me this long-winded promo, that really, for a match that no one's really clamoring for, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens, because, um, I mean, the last, the only time I've seen a go-go wrestle, he's just one-punch guy, so... Get that invested because you know he's just going to pop around to something new in the next month or two. 
I mean, it's almost like we—it's almost like he should be contending for the world championship right now. I mean, you look at the current landscape of the title scene, and we'll get to the number one contenders match in a few moments, but he very easily could have been in this spot at the pay-per-view if they didn't have that stupid stipulation in place. Now, part of me, I guess, is glad that they're actually honoring the stipulation. I guess I can respect them for that. But the thing is, is that, you know, it's double or nothing. We have the whole elite thing going on right now. Cody Rhodes used to be a member of the elite no longer. I mean, there's your story right there. Cody Rhodes is no longer with them. He won't join them. He'll oppose Omega instead. And he'll fall short of becoming world champion. Like, I feel like Cody and Kenny was made to be the match at double or nothing. But because Cody can't go for the championship and no one else is ready right now, including Paige... They had to rush and put someone else or two people in that spot. I think Cody Rhodes should absolutely, at this point, after already kind of dominating the TNT title scene last year, and he shouldn't go back to that anytime soon, I feel like it should be Cody in the world title scene right now and not feuding with this random faction that, again, no one really seems to give a shit about. Yeah, I completely agree. I just, I don't know, I just think the whole I won't contend for the title thing is so premature that it's just like, it was a company, was what is a company around for a night, like, officially around for like a month on TV, and like, you immediately went to the, oh, if I lose, I'm not going for the title, and it's kind of has pigeonholed his, his run in AEW, and I just, maybe that's why he's been bouncing around a lot, because besides that, like, what's he just going to steal the spotlight in the TNT title picture, so, I get it, but I just think, like you said, Omega Rhodes right now, the story's there, and it would make a lot more sense than what we're going to get. Yeah, no, it's definitely a step down, it seems like, from the last two double-or-nothing matches he had against Dustin Rhodes two years ago, and then Lance Archer last year. Both matches people were really excited for. And this could be interesting, too, and I like a go-go, and if he helps elevate a go-go, that's great. Um, I don't know how they'll go about, how they'll, how they're going to go about it, like you said, with a go-go hitting the one punch. Will that be it within 10 seconds? I don't know. Um, but I guess we'll see. Maybe this will build when a go-go fucking Mike Tyson match in AEW, because we haven't seen Mike Tyson. I mean, I guess we saw him a couple of months ago, but... They did that whole Jericho and Mike Tyson thing a year ago. That went nowhere up until we saw him just recently. So, who the fuck knows? Um, but we move on to our next championship match in the show. The Young Bucks SCU for the AEW Tag Team titles. These teams have worked well in every company they've been in. TNA, Ring of Honor, now AEW. Um, so, a quality match as I expected. As well as the expected outcome from a lot of people. That being the Bucks retaining. And not only retaining the Tag Team titles, but SCU is no more. Now, I know you don't really care about SCU. I know you didn't want them to win the tag titles in the first place a year and a half ago, and I agree with you. They should not have been the first ever tag team champions for this company. It should have been absolutely um, the Lucha Bros. But I will say this, and I want to see if you agree. They did the whole Shawn Michaels thing, I'm sorry, I love you, blah, blah, blah. I didn't have an issue with any of that. There was a lot of blood from Daniels, which was a little over the top, but again, I don't really mind that. My biggest problem with this, because I thought the match was very good, my biggest problem with it was that once the match was over, it goes back to what we've said time and time again. They gave it no time to breathe, dude. Like, this team has been together now for a decade. They literally cut away to the back to Moxley and Kingston attacking the backstage area, which I know you needed to do in that moment because the Bucks and the Elite were out in the ring when that match was going on, so that was how they did it. But, like, they gave these guys no fucking time. Like, their team is over forever, apparently. And they gave this no time to breathe. I thought that was the biggest problem. I mean, again, otherwise I enjoyed this, but I thought the aftermath, it goes to what we said time and time again, how AEW moves from one thing to the next without allowing certain things to breathe. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, the match, what it was, I mean, I'm not a big fan of either team. Um, I mean, it's, I just, 
don't know. Like I said, I, I thought the Ric Flair spot was just, I mean, I get it, but just, like, just leave it to them. I mean, it's just it's like a classic Young Buck trying to be like a parody and think they're funny and just stupid. So, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, like you said about the whole SEU thing, it's like I'm not even a big fan of them, but like it, it is kind of a big deal because they have, like you said, have been teaming for so long, but like right when the match is over, they just jump into the next thing, and that's what they do all the time. So, it just, they just, I, like, couldn't they just, like, have, like, SU, like, I don't know, like, hug, like, cry, like, wave to the crowd and, like, go to commercial and then come back and, like, you have the Young Bucks and the other members of the Elite, like, walking backstage and someone's like, oh, like, someone just trashed your fucking locker room. Like, do they have to show it? Like, couldn't we just, like, put two and two together and, like, at least get that good moment? I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of those guys and I think they kind of got a raw deal on that. That was weird. I don't know. They'll probably do something next week where they say where they say farewell to the audience or something. But like in the moment itself, with Daniels with all the blood on his face, it was just I don't know. It was bizarre. Like you could have given it at least a minute more than what they did, which was nothing. They actually came back from break and they said, "Oh, during commercial break, they hugged or something." It's like I don't know. You don't have to have someone turn on someone, but I thought I thought it was just weird. I mean, for a team too that's been there since the very beginning, that was among the first ten talents this company signed. I thought that was very bizarre. Uh, but again, I enjoyed the match for what it was. We have the Bucks and probably Kingston Moxley at the pay-per-view. Um, they didn't make that official. They challenged Moxley and Kingston. I don't know if it's going to be for the championships. Maybe. We talked about this earlier. I don't know how you explain how them getting a title shot if they haven't done anything to deserve it from a storyline standpoint, but that's the issue with the power rankings. We are getting the Bucks and Varsity Blondes in next week for the tag team titles. Um, if you're wondering where all their wins came from, it happened on Dark. But the problem is that for the people who don't watch fucking Dark, um, I mean, I do, but most people don't who watch Dynamite, I would assume, they don't know that these guys have been winning week in and week out. They never went on Dynamite itself, so why would they earn themselves a fucking title shot? Especially two weeks before the pay-per-view. Like, I would have just saved it until after um, Double or Nothing, but maybe because the Bucks won't be champions at that point, they just want to get it over with now. I have no idea, but speaking of Double or Nothing, we have another new match announced as well, including the AEW World Championship match. It's going to be Kenny Omega versus Pac versus Orange Cassidy in a three-way. Um, so we had Pac and Cassidy end in a draw. Cassidy looked like he got hurt. Um, I, I missed that, but I, I saw the bump. I didn't think he was hurt, but apparently he was, and uh, reportedly he's fine today. So we got the match, ended in a draw, that may or may not have been why it was so short. And the match wasn't short, but the finish was cut short. And then we found out that Omega, because he didn't want to face either of them, that was why he interfered, but we were getting the three-way anyway. I don't know, dude. This should be a fun match, and I'm glad it's a three-way and not Omega and Cassidy straight up, because that's like a dynamite match. It's a double-or-nothing pay-per-view match. It's just not a main event. And honestly, I hope this doesn't go on last. I hope it is Stadium Stampede or something else like that, because you know Cassidy is not fucking winning. You know Pac probably isn't winning. And unless they do some sort of big swerve at the end of the show with Daniel fucking Bryan showing up, then I don't think this match would be the main event of Double or Nothing. It feels like a random Dynamite main event that came completely out of nowhere. Yeah, it's just... I, I love the, like, heel, cowardly champion, like, trope at this point that they, like, interfere and then, like, oh, my God, I'm not going to face anyone. Like, like you said before, we got on the line. Like, do you, have you ever watched wrestling before? Like, clearly... In the last, like, 10 years, if you, like, inter- interfere in a match, it's supposed to go for a title match, then it turns into a triple threat every time. And, like, it is what it is. And like you said, I think it, it's going to probably be better than a one-on-one, but it's, 
even even the three-way, it is like a glorified dynamite match. I mean, it's pretty bad when your champion is, like, struggling to find opponents that are just even, I don't even know if I'd see, like, I would say worthy. Like, there's no one, there's not, besides Hangman, there's not one match, like, I'm clamoring to see Omega in at this point. And, like, I don't feel like we're going to get Hangman for another few months. So, I mean, it's, I just don't know what they've been doing. They really haven't booked anyone up, like, strong. Uh, besides Hangman, and he's kind of, they moved him to the side, so we'll see what happens, but this is this is what happens, people, when you have fashion wars. You can't be building up, like, it's not easy to build up one person when you have them all in this gang of people, and, like, just doesn't get anyone, it gets a group, maybe gets a group over, but not individually getting anyone else over. No, and that's the problem. I, I completely agree, and we talked to this over text a few days ago, that with Omega isn't a big problem where you have a world champion and there's someone as good as Omega is and there's no matches that you're, like, waiting to see. Like, obviously Paige, but, like, Cassidy, just because it's a fresh match, I saw a lot of people complaining to me about that. I wrote about this for Bleach Report a few days ago. You wouldn't imagine the amount of messages I saw and comments saying, like, oh, just because, you know, it's a, it's a fresh match, that's why we should get it. We've never seen it before. All right, I've never seen... Fucking Roman Reigns versus Our Truth, but does that mean I want to see it? But just because the guy's, you know what I'm saying? But just because the guy's popular, listen, I like Orange Cassidy. You know, from the beginning of AEW, I've been one of the few, not few, but like I was one of the early fans of Orange Cassidy. I just don't think he belongs in the main event mix. I thought the Jericho feud, especially, I enjoyed parts of it. The matches weren't that good, but if you're gonna do that, you gotta capitalize off it. They've done nothing with this guy for fucking months now. And they expect us to take him seriously as a challenger. I mean, honestly, the same thing can be said for Pac. The guy's done nothing for months. He hasn't won a meaningful match on the show in like six months since he's come back. He's been involved with the tag team stuff. Um, He and Phoenix lost the tag team title shot a few weeks ago. So why the fuck should I take him seriously, Omega, aside from the fact that he beat him two years ago? I don't know. I just feel like this would, I would almost give them, I would almost feel bad for them. It's like if they had an original plan and the person they were going to put in that spot got hurt or something. But clearly that wasn't the case. And they honestly, it, it feels like, dude, they didn't start thinking about what their top title match would be at this pay-per-view until, like, last week. Like, I feel like they forgot they would even be having a world championship match at this pay-per-view, which is a problem, considering I, I think this is supposed to be, their like, their WrestleMania. Yeah, it's just, like I said, this is the problem when you have the gang wars, though. It's just, like, you have a bunch of people involved, but... It doesn't really, not everyone's getting over. It's like, oh, Gogo seems to be the one getting the push in the factory. And, I mean, no one really cares about the group. But like, what about the other three guys? What are they going to go, wrestle in dark? Like, who cares about Colorado or, or fucking Solo or even QT? I mean, it's just a thing that they keep doing, but it's not getting anyone over. It's just a bunch of people in a group. Just because you throw the Butcher and Blade and... Uh, private party in a group doesn't mean I just instantly think they're over and that they should be going for the title. And like, it's it, it, it's it's something that I see people saying, "Oh, you need all the factions; it makes it way more interesting." Yeah, it might, you might be able to book storylines a little bit easier, but then in the day, it's not really getting anyone over because besides uh, Omega and Hangman, no one else in that company really more clamoring to see Omega at this point. No other babyface is really built up at all. You don't really have too many baby faces to begin with, so it's just like, what do you do? It's like, I just, I just feel like the only other person that could possibly do is maybe Lance Archer, and he hasn't done anything of substance the last 
since he lost to Cody, he really hasn't done anything of substance. And he lost to Moxley many times anyways. So it's like, okay, besides him, what other beef face could you push besides Hangman or and Toxic Heel anyways and then Orange Cassidy? There's no ounce. Well, Darby Allen too, Cody. but I just I don't think that right now is the time for that. I think Darby is a guy that could challenge Omega at some point, maybe even in the next pay per view. But he's another guy where I feel like it's not his time. I just feel like it's a big timing thing. I mean, you have Cody Rhodes as well, but again, he can't go for the top title. It's not Paige's time. You have Christian Cage, but it's too early to be doing that. I gotta know. You know, these people won't be going for the championship until the summer. Allen, Cage, Page. Those are the three challengers right there. I would love to see face Omega at some point. But how do you not have anyone in the interim? Like, that's my biggest problem with this. And it's not like it's an, a, a temporary dynamite feud. This is literally, the, the assumingly, uh, presumably, the main event of your biggest pay per view of the year. And again, it's gonna be a good match, but at the end of the day, we know there is zero chance that Omega loses. So that's my issue with it. I guess we'll see what they do with it, but I just I'm I'm surprised how much of a pass people are giving this match, um, and how how much of a pass people are giving the AEW title picture right now, which is supposed to be the most important title in the, in, in the company. But Omega really hasn't done a lot of a lot as champion at all. He's feuded with Moxley, but that's about it. So hopefully they fix that coming out of the pay per view, which should be the other way around. But it is what it is. Uh, so we were having, speaking of factions, another stadium stampede match at double or nothing. Now, here's my two cents on it. I like the stadium stampede last year. I'm fine with them doing it. My two issues with it are one, and we discussed this earlier, how this is going to work exactly. I guess you could film it and then have the crowd watch it on the big screen. I don't think that's ideal, but maybe, and two, really, my bigger issue with it, I'm not really there, so it doesn't really matter. I don't really give a shit about that, but, like, my bigger issue with it is that why would you do a Blood and Guts War Games match on fucking Dynamite? The, we, we literally talked about this a week ago, dude, and I tried to give this company for the benefit of the doubt and saying that, oh, they did Blood and Guts on the show because they can't do it on pay-per-view because it would take up too much time. But then they're doing a stadium stampede match. So it's like, what was even the point? Like, why would you do a War Games match, first of all, first... But second of all, why would you do it three weeks before another uh, faction war? Jericho is back on TV like nothing happened. I know the botch, not the botch, the fall looked terrible last week. But you could at least try to sell it and be like, oh, he fell. He might be gone for a while. At that point, don't even do the fucking fall. Like, if he's going to fall, take the guy off TV for at least two weeks. Or at least a week. He was back wearing a fucking brace last night. I don't know. I thought the beer thing was stupid, too. That was dumb. And I'm fine with the stadium stampede match. It's going to be entertaining, I assume. But, again, we discussed this earlier. But the ass-backwards logic of this booking makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah, I just... I said that to you. I'm not even blaming AEW, because NXT's been a fault of this as well. They've been doing, like, the no-disqualifications, unsanctioned, and the continuing feuds they did with the Gargano champ. Like, their first match was, like, fucking unsanctioned. Then they had, like, three more after the fact. But, like, I just don't understand, like, you're doing... The Blooding Guts are, like, that, like just like Helena said, like, that's supposed to be, like, the end-all, be-all. Like, it's not a fucking... Like, that's a blow-off match. That's not the first match of a feud. And I just feel like they're doing this fucking stadium stampede match just so the inner circle can get a win, and then we're going to get another match. We're going to get one-on-one. We're going to get a five-man tag match, like elimination violence. How can you one-up what you've already done? That's the biggest problem. It's like, yeah, you might start with, like, a one-on-one -on -one match, then, like, the heel might get, like, attack the guy, then you go to a hell in a cell. You don't just go from blood and guts to stadium stampede. Like, what, what else can they do? Like, are they going to do a fucking 
triple steel cage ladder match? Like, what can you mm-hmm. do at that point? So, we'll see. But I feel like this is all just so the inner circle can get a win. They'll continue the feud going into the summer, which I guess. But, I mean, I, I don't think that's what they should do. But that's probably what they'll do. And we'll get another gang war match going into the summer somewhere. But it makes no sense. If they were that one, like you said, I thought they did blood and guts as well. I thought they did on the show just do a rating, but I kind of had to agree with you that I thought, you know, their shows are pretty normally long. I mean, I guess you are paying, most people are paying for it, so, like, I wouldn't want a quick show if I'm paying, like, X amount of dollars, but still, at the end of the day, it's like my ass gets sore, gets sore from sitting down for five hours watching a wrestling program. I mean, it's the same with WrestleMania. I feel like I'm going to fall asleep. It's just so, it's like, there's no need for a wrestling show to be that long, so. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, like you said, I I kind of feel bad for the fans if it's kind of like a blood and gut situation where they have to watch on the Jumbotron for like an hour, but I'm not there, so I really don't care. But I just I just don't understand why they're doing this, and I just don't know. Just, um, isn't one of the guys, didn't they say like one of the other members of Inner Circle heard it, like, was uh, Santana not there? Or? Yeah, he was there. I think he was sick or something. They, they said in storyline that he got arrested for putting the fork to MJF's head last week, but I think reportedly he was sick, so he's not going to be around for... I mean, he, he'll probably be back next week, but I think that's as simple as that. Uh, okay, yeah. yeah, I thought the bubbly thing was stupid. The guy was shooting a thing from like 100 feet away and it barely reached the ring and they were flopping <laughs> around like fish. So. It didn't really have the same... Uh, they had the same kind of like aura or like intensity when Austin had the hose in the ring and it was going like a hundred gallons a second and like you could actually see there was like a ton of water or beer coming out. This was like fucking a water gun shooting a mile away. It just didn't really have the same effect. Honestly, I think Kurt Angle's milk truck might have been more devastating than that. <laughs> I just think it looked bad. Like I said, a guy was a mile away and shooting and it just had looked like they needed to turn up the uh the pressure like another hundred times because it barely reached the ring and I felt bad for MGF and the revival because they were bumping around like idiots but Sean Spears can bump around I really don't care but uh, it is what it is I think the match will be fine for what it is I just I just feel like I said it's going to inner circle because like you know they got to put another if you lose they're going to retire so I doubt the inner circle is going to break up just because where would you go from there I mean what, what, what's, what's MGF going to do from there? What other babyface can he feud with? There really isn't. So they're probably going to win. Lee in the summer, another kind of gang war match, and then they'll blow it off. But, I mean, it is what it is, I guess. I don't know. Um, again, I think the match will be entertaining, and I forgot about the stipulation where if they lose, they have to break up. I, I think they absolutely should break up. I mean, I was petitioning for that six months ago. I mean, this group has done... Oh my god, I mean, dude, Inner Circle has literally lost every fucking pay-per-view match they have been involved in, I think, since the beginning. Or at least since Jericho lost okay, so the championship. What, What'd you say? What do you do, okay, if they, if, if they, Pinnacle wins at double or nothing, what do you do with them next? Who, Pinnacle or Inner Circle? Pinnacle, if they win and Inner Circle breaks up, what do you do with them next? Well, I mean, at least if you, the thing is, ideally, I would have Pinnacle win. I don't think they will. I think okay. I think I think Inner Circle wins because again, fifty fifty booking, and you can do that shit, and it's whatever. But it's like an Inner Circle even said, where oh, you know, as long as we're in the same company, we'll always be feeding. Blah blah blah. They already blew it off, or they're supposed to blow it off in the blood and guts. So it's not like you're gonna do another one on TV. Who cares? I would have Pinnacle win because if they're a new faction, and clearly they're investing a lot in this stable. 
to have them lose already, they're dead in the fucking water. Like, they won last week, and that's great. They gotta go all in on these guys and have them win again. Inner Circle has nothing to gain from being together at this point. Hager is a waste of a roster spot. Santana and Ortiz should be in the tag team title picture. Guevara has barely wrestled in the last five months, despite being completely healthy. And Jericho can go off and do his own thing. I think with Pinnacle, to answer your question, MJF can lead his own little faction, and again, that can be like the new thing. But I don't know. I mean, I guess you could have Inner Circle win, then at some point they can feed with the Elite, but we discussed this last week. Jericho and Omega at this point, I think that ship sailed. Like, you could have done that six months ago, but at this point, who gives a fuck? Because the Inner Circle are a bunch of losers. I don't know. I just feel like it's a... I don't know. With with Pinnacle, I mean, really, what do you do with them regardless of who wins or loses? But I think with MJF, to keep the heat on him and make sure that he's on the right track to have him lose already with his new faction, I think his mistake is I think Pinnacle has a lot more longevity than Inner Circle does because of how they've been bucked so far. So with MJF, what do you do with them? Uh, you can have him feud with Christian Cage. I mean, Adam Page might be an option in the interim. You could do that. You have Darby Allen potentially. I think there's more you can do with MJF in the driver's seat than you can if Inner Circle wins. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but I just feel like we're grasping our straws here saying, oh, they could guess they'll wrestle this one guy. or Like, I don't want them to face Page. What, are they going to beat him? Like, no, I, can't. I feel like he's the guy... He's the one to be the one to beat Omega. So it's like, I don't want him to face the pinnacle and lose. The real issue is that all these factions, they mostly all the factions they have are all people. That's the problem. It's not like I want them to keep turning anyone, really, because I don't want anyone in this fucking gang warfare. But at the end of the day, it's like, what else do you do? Are they going to have five guys on the pinnacle face? Like you said, like Christian Cage? Or no? I don't know. I just, that's the thing, though. It's like, you know wrestling, and I give you a simple question. What do you do with the next? And you're just like, I don't, like, you don't really know. And then it's like, I guess we'll go with this just to like, keep it going. But I, I just, you're really going to have, like, because it's like, the other, looking at the other way, it's like if you have inner circle one, it's like, okay. And then what are they going to wrestle again? And then they're going to have them beat again, and then they're going to face the elite? No, that shit's like you said. That shit's still with Omega and Jericho, and then Pinnacle would lose twice, and then they just form, so... I really don't know what you do with them. It's kind of what I've been saying with the whole factional. It's not easy, especially when a lot of them are heels. There's just not a lot to do with them. Like, what, are they going to face the fucking Dark Order? Like, come on. I guess they could do that now that you brought up Adam Page. <laughs> and then now I'm having fucking PTSD already just thinking about it. But I guess you could do that. I mean, do we have them feud with Dark Order? And I mean... I guess Paige could get some, some wins on, like, Sean Spears and stuff. And, I mean, maybe beat, like, Dax or Cash. And then if they do, like, gang warfare matches, like, he's not getting pinned and shit. But, besides, I mean, I don't even really like him aligned with them. But I guess it is what it is at this point. But that's the only other thing I could think of, honestly. I don't love the idea. Yeah, I would rather. I, it's more to me about breaking up Inner Circle than it is keeping Pinnacle strong. I think keeping Pinnacle strong is key too, but I think with Inner Circle, they have nothing left to do as a unit. I really do think they're they're worse off together, specifically Santana, Ortiz, and and Sammy than they are. Uh, than they are. I, I think they're worse off together than they are apart. I think there's a lot more you could do there if they just go their separate ways. So I hope that's what happens. I'm almost guaranteeing a Pinnacle win here. And again, it's like, oh, we got our win back. What do you do? Like you said, that's that's the real question, in my opinion. 
Uh, one last AEW now before we move forward here. Miro, the all-new TNT champion, knocking off Darby Allen. What I thought was a great match. Um, they worked well together. Darby Allen had the built-in excuse of being thrown down a flight of fucking stairs last week, so that was why he lost. The match itself, I thought, was really good. Uh, Miro, in the end, locking in the... I don't know what he's calling it now, but the former accolade to uh, Darby Allen passing out or tapping out, whatever. And we got a new TNT champion, so... There was a lot going on here. Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page came out multiple times to attack Sting. Clearly, that's the tag team match they're doing at the pay-per-view. In addition to Miro and probably Lance Archer for the TNT Championship. So, of everything on the show, this might have been my favorite part of the show because I thought the match was good. Darby Allen has had a six-month run as champion. Um, and if there was anyone that he was going to lose it to, if not Archer, then Miro. So, I'm fine with the Miro winning the title. And uh, you set up the other tag team match for Double or Nothing. You set up Miro and Archer, which kind of makes sense because Archer's been involved in the whole Sting and Allen thing anyway. So, uh, honestly, overall, I thought this was a great ending to the show and Miro winning the championship was uh, long overdue because this was the Miro we should have gotten from the get-go. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was a good match. I mean, I like Darby. Miro's great as well. I'm glad he he broke away from good old Kip and, and Penelope. So, he's more bearable than now than he was before. So, but I thought the match was good. I mean, Darby has, like you said, has the excuse in the pocket, at least as a baby face. He got beat up last week. I mean, I, the care, like the lack of care for his body, just like everything he does is just, I mean, I, I, he, I might end up in a wheelchair someday, but like he just like comes off great. Like he just flying around. He always just, it's just so like sharp and crisp and just like, just, just I can just feel like, I feel like I can feel it every time he like just does a dive or something like, it's not like one of those like, like, Jump over rope and catch me. It's like I'm coming like a fucking bat out of hell, and it, like you're not gonna like it. I, I don't know. I just like that's the one thing about Darby I have. Like I think all the stupid promos and vignettes he did, like jumping off bridges and stuff, like that doesn't do too much for me. But like him in the ring just being like an absolute loose cannon, um, just like gets me, just gets my blood flowing. So I thought the match was good, very hard hitting, and Mira winning made sense. I guess with the story they're saying with Sting and. Sting and Darby or Sky and Ethan Page. I mean, I'm, I don't think anyone's really clamoring for the tag match. I mean, Scorpio and Ethan Page became a random team like a month ago, and all of a sudden now they're facing Sting and Darby. I mean, it is what it is. But if and like you said, if anyone was going to beat Darby, it should have been it should have been uh, Miro. So I think him and Archer should be decent at the pay per view. I, I really don't care about Sting and Darby versus Page and Sky just because. They're just a makeshift tag team that no one really cares about anyway. So I thought it was a ending, good ending of the show. Um, but I, I thought I, all I can really say for it. I just thought it was fine. Yeah, no, I, I like all of that. I just think the tag team match itself, while it does make sense, like you said, it's a makeshift fucking tag team. I mean, Ethan Page literally left one team for another. Same thing with Scorpio Sky. Was not even the SCU departure was not even explained or acknowledged at all. Maybe once on Dark, but that was about it. So that's fucking lazy. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's not like that <laughs> was watching Dark and they were calling out Sting and Sky's like, "Oh yeah, Sting." Like, are you? Maybe it was on. It was on Dynamite last week actually, where he specifically was calling out Sting and Ethan Page called out Ar Darby. I'm thinking, is this leading to a Scorpio Sky Sting match? Who fucking cares? And I like Scorpio, but it's like. You've done nothing to make me care about this guy. All he's done is lose. I mean, literally. I mean, the last couple of matches he's won have all been tag team matches. And he turned heel. And his heel turn has entirely happened over on the dark shows. 
if we're only watching Dynamite here, it's like watch. It's like it's like saying you have to watch main event for Raw to make sense. No, it's fucking stupid. I mean, I don't know. Ethan Page is just kind of there too. So I, I didn't think Ethan Page would end up in AEW facing Sting. Like who who gives a shit? So I'm fine with the match. It should be decent. I thought the Team Taz feed made more sense than this crap. Um, but you know, if Allen wins and it's another win for him, then more power to him because I like Darby a lot. So, before we get to the Backlash predictions, real quickly, I'll throw some stuff at you from Raw and NXT. Um, starting with Raw, I thought it was a marginally, keyword, marginally better show than usual. Um, not great, but it was a little better than it has been in recent weeks. Aside from the opening, which I think you said you forgot about or didn't know about, when Shayna's leg gave out because of Lily, and that was why Shayna lost the match when Asuka pinned her. I mean, that is peak stupidity here from WWE. How fucking dumb is that? I'll start this off with a good chuckle. I mean, I like Alexa Bliss. I thought this had legs. They can end it now. Just end it now. This whole Lily thing is just is just stupid. I mean, I I was willing to give it some time after seeing it on Raw. Please end it. Please stop. I don't need to see any more of this fucking foolishness. A little stupid doll now all of a sudden can no just just no i just it's just dumb it, it, i'm over it bring alexa back as as their alexa bliss like the bubbly fucking bitch heel don't i'm all i'm also with the supernatural stuff just i'm out done don't need to see it anymore <laughs> You know, I'm 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 fine to an extent with the supernatural stuff because it's different. But when it gets to shit like this, when Shayna has to sell like her knee giving out, that's fucking dumb. And people were like, "Oh, where were you in the '90s when Taker was like, dude?" I mean, even some of the shit that he was doing was stupid. I mean, they were doing this stuff with Taker and Bray Wyatt. Remember when their feud happened? They were doing like the rocking chair was like shaking on its own. It's like, dude, this is stupid. Um, and this is dumb too. Some of the Alexa Bliss stuff can be decent. Like I think some of the stuff they've done with the Fiend has been cool. But when it gets to, like, the hocus-pocus bullshit, that's when it becomes stupid, and I thought that was really dumb. And it definitely... I mean, I honestly, too, it, it depends on who it is. Like, if you do it with a guy like Randy Orton, he's bulletproof, so it doesn't matter. Sheena is not. She's been booked to look like such a loser, where if she's the one feuding with Lily or having the shit done to her, it makes her look more like a loser than it does the benefit Bliss, so... That was my issue with it. Um, Jinder Mahal is back for all those that were clamoring, all of two people that were wondering where he was. And not only is he back, but he is back with a new faction consisting of Veer and Shanky. Uh, Veer is formerly of Indushir. The other guy is not from Indushir. It's uh, someone that was at Superstar Spectacle a few months ago. So your, your thoughts on this? Is this really just a vehicle to build up Mahal so we can feud it through at some point, I would imagine? Oh, easily. I mean, that's that's where this is going. I mean, I, I, it has a story, I guess, from 3MB. I mean, it kind of makes sense. I, I was honestly thinking the other day, it's funny, funny that it kind of came back, because I saw the gender is back, so I'm like, okay, whatever. And I saw you post about it, like, oh, he's on main event, like, thank God. <laughs> like, classic GSM. <laughs> and I'm just, like, thinking about it, I'm like, okay, so when Bobby retains on Sunday, what do you really do with Drew after? I'm like, eh. Well, so they really build up as a heel. There's not really too many people. And then I saw Jinder and Raw. I'm like, okay, now it makes sense. So, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, I don't think he'll win. I think this is strictly just to keep Drew busy in the interim. And I'll give it some, I'll give it, I'll give it some time. I mean, I'm not the biggest Jinder fan. 
Uh, I mean, not as big as you are. I remember big, you're a huge fan of the title run. Um, <laughs> but it, it is what it is. I think it'll be decent. Something new. Um, has a story. It is what it is. I'm, I'm not hating it as much as you probably are. I mean, I, I know you're not hating because you're the biggest Jinder Mahal fan in the world. Of but course. I think, I think if done correctly, it'll keep Drew busy and I can't complain. So it is what it is. I'm fine with it. What the fuck is going on with Jeff Hardy? <sighs> I don't know. I, they, they, he's a great... He's one of those guys, I, I, I think he's just, at this point, like, he's just happy to be there. and Just a good veteran. I just... <sighs> I don't know. I, I love Jeff Hardy. Big Jeff Hardy fan. Always have been. And it's just to the point, that I, I guess he's just kind of putting, I guess, putting people over. I guess... It's good he's not jumping out of ice machines in different clothes, but I just at this point <laughs> might as well just pack it as a career. I don't know, dude, but the thing is is that literally a year ago when he came back, they were putting a lot of focus on him. He had the Seamus feud, and you don't have to be winning every week in order for him to be like a prominent fixture on the show. And I know his dad passed away as well recently, which is why he wasn't at WrestleMania or WrestleMania weekend. But like even before that, they were having him lose the herp business every week. They were having him team with Riddle, which I thought had legs and they kinda cut that short and that didn't really go anywhere. Um, I like the whole, you know, makeshift Hardy Bros thing. I thought that was funny. I, I don't know. I mean, just, you, you talk about, like, what do you do with the people in the main event of Backlash after Backlash? Drew and Jinder, don't give a fuck about Jinder, but that's a match you can do. What do you do with Bobby? There's a babyface right there in Jeff Hardy that you can build up as one more title run. And the thing is with Jeff, it's not like he's old and no one cares about him. He's still very popular. That's what I don't understand. Like, I know there's no fans there, but he's still very popular. So, to just... Oh, he's To job him out in two minutes, when you could be instead building... I'm not even saying you should be WWE champion, but, like, to just build him up for a match with with Bobby. I mean, like, look at over on SmackDown. Cesaro, you know, is not going to win on Sunday. But they're building him up as a challenger for Roman. You should build up Jeff as a challenger for Bobby. Raw has fucking nobody. They have a major roster issue in terms of, like... Again, Ricochet could be a challenger of the month, and they don't, they're don't they not doing anything with him. He's on main event having matches with Ali. Um, Riddle's a loser. He's a tag team guy anyway. AJ's a heel. Um, you don't really have any other baby faces. Bray Wyatt's disappeared for right now. That might be for other issues, but I don't know. I just don't understand what's going on with Jeff Hardy. People asking, is he going to AEW at some point? I don't think so. He just recently resigned. I don't think he's going anywhere. Like you said, I get the gist that He's just happy to be there, and that's fine, I guess. And I know this report, like, oh, you know, they got to cycle people in and out. Like, we got to focus on these people first and whatever. But, dude, you can have a guy like Jeff on the show, but still do something meaningful with him where he's elevating other people. He's not elevating Jinder. Jinder is just beating some fucking loser who ended up back on main event. Like, that's a joke. I mean, I, I don't buy that shit for a second, because you can have people that aren't in the, in the mix right now but are still kind of around, so to speak. Yeah. Jeff Hardy's not even on the fucking show, aside from Monday when he lost to Jinder in two minutes. I just, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know, I just, like, like you said, I think if done correctly, like you said, they could build him up, oh, one last more title run. I mean, he is very popular. I mean, at this point, with all the veterans they have left, I mean, him and Rey Mysterio are probably, like, still one of the most overpopulated, like, they were over as fuck in their heyday. I mean, they're still very popular as it is now. I mean, there's so many Jeff Hardy fans. There's so many Rey Mysterio fans. I feel like at this point you can build them up. Like I said, I don't know if they'll get a title run, but 
done correctly and built up. I mean, they still people are still would be clamoring for a good Jeff Hardy or Rey Mysterio run. So I think if they built him up correctly, like you said, they could do another uh, like a nice one-off Jeff Hardy. Oh, like he's got one more chance to win the title and face him and Bobby. I mean. Better than like you said, I was also thinking about I'm like, what do you do with Bobby next after WrestleMania after WrestleMania backlash? And I'm just like, I really don't know because they like you said, there really isn't too many baby faces that they have and I mean there really isn't much for him to do. Are you gonna have him brought again? <laughs> I, I, I don't know I don't know when the draft's gonna be, but I just even if they switch some people from SmackDown, what are you gonna do? I just I don't know. I, I think Raw, it's crazy. I feel like Raw is just kind of there. It is every week. It's kind of there. And I've really enjoyed SmackDown a ton. I just don't know why they're both such a polar opposite. And they're run by the same company. It just doesn't make much sense there. <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's not even like with NXT, and I've said this before, it's like, I know Triple H heads that up on creative and shit, and the main roster is different. Same company, but two different people in charge. It's literally Vince and Jarrett who have Raw and SmackDown completely. So that's what I don't understand with any of this. In SmackDown last week, I thought it was a great show. Did you enjoy the throwback episode last Friday? Oh, that was a great show. Exactly, I just... I, I, I don't understand. It, it, it literally is a tale of two shows. I mean, Jeff Hardy's on SmackDown. He's beaten Sheamus a couple pay-per-views in a row. Intercontinental Champion. Had one of the best matches of the year with AJ and Sammy at Clash of Champions. Literally gets drafted a Raw in October. And the first thing they do with this guy is put him in a feud with Elias, who is also a glorified loser. I mean, they have done nothing with this guy from the moment he showed up on Raw. Don't even draft him then at that point. I don't know. Rey Mysterio is another guy where, like, for a company that is so so obsessed with nostalgia, you would think they'd be doing more with Rey and with Jeff. I mean, Rey's another guy, at least he's in the tag team title picture right now. But again, he's another guy that could face Roman at some point if they really wanted him to, if they built him up enough. But they have him lose so often, it's like it's hard to take him seriously. And Jeff's even worse because he's on Raw, so I don't know. Hopefully at some point they get their just due, but I know it won't be right now, unfortunately. Uh, NXT, real quickly, I thought it was a good show. We had two title matches. Escobar and Kushida was great. Um, Gonzalez and Martinez, that was a very good match. And we're getting TakeOver In Your House back, baby. In Your House 2 on June 13th. you got to be excited around, about that, aren't you? Can't wait. TakeOver In Your House was a good show last year, so I'm looking forward to being brought back. Uh, we're getting Cross and Finn Balor for the NXT Championship in two weeks, interestingly. Uh, we got the Hippo debut, or Hippo. Hippo? Yeah, Hippo. Yeah, um, I, I thought I was mispronouncing it. The faction debut of them, Isaiah Swerve Scott's new stable. Um, I thought this was a good show. We had the return of Bobby Fish. Anything really stand out from you from Tuesday's show for NXT? I thought it was just a well-formatted, well good show. I thought it had its moments. Um, it's a good wrestling show. That's the only issue with NXT. I feel like it's just always a good show. There's nothing really like over-the-top to report. I just think it's just a good show at the end of the day, so... Yeah, I mean, it, it's like tough analysis because I feel like we always say, oh, it's a good show, but like, there's not normally anything that's overly great, but it's never like a bad show. It's just always usually like a solidly good show. Yeah. And it I sounds agree. like I'm being negative, but it's just like a good show. Like, there's nothing to like hammer home every week. It's just normally a good show. No, there's nothing to complain about, but there's also really nothing to overly praise either. At least Dynamite has a little bit of both. But uh, no, I completely agree. 
do you think Fish and O'Reilly get back together, or do you think O'Reilly's kind of on his own? Do you have him feud? What do you What do you think the future holds for Fish, a guy that's in his 40s now and is probably winding down his career at this point, I would imagine? Yeah, I'm not sure what you do with Bobby. At this point, I'd keep Kyle by himself. I feel like I'd keep all those guys by themselves now that they broke him up. So maybe do a little feud between him and him and Bobby in the interim. Um, but... And I, I would keep them all on their own at this point. I wouldn't just start teaming them up again. Just maybe, maybe they kind of like tease they're going to team up again, and then Bobby turns on Kyle, and then we get a, a feud with them. But uh, I like Bobby Fish. He's probably my least favorite on this video. I think he's good. I just, he is a little bit older, like you said, and just I don't really see him as like a breakout single. I feel like he's a glorified tag team guy. So I think him and maybe him and O'Reilly team up. They they do a little backstab or he'll turn and you can do like a good one-off between them i mean they've had they've been teaming together on nxt for like three or four years so at this point it, it would kind of the story's already built there so i think that'd be pretty interesting yeah, I would like to see that. I mean, if he ever gets called up, he's going to Eric Young treatment, I can guarantee you. I mean, the guy will end up on main event and get released within a year. I mean, I can I can see it coming from a mile away. So I think he would just be better better stay put in uh, in NXT, in my opinion. Uh, initial impressions of Hippo, were you impressed? Yay or nay on the new stable for Scott? I think it'll be... I think it's a good stable. I think I, I like everyone in. I just... I really don't know how far it's going to go. Like, I don't see him contending for the world championship. I don't know really see him going for the North American maybe if Bronson Reed beats Johnny but I just I I like it but I just don't know what like I don't think the end games like anything of of, like notes like I think it's decent to get these people kind of on screen and doing something of importance I just don't think it's really going to gain much at the end of the day yeah we'll see I don't want to see an excess of factions in this company because we have this one we have that new Diamond one. I don't think they aired a commercial for that this week. Unless and maybe they did, and I just skipped over it. I didn't watch it live, so I don't know. But I don't want to see them go overboard with the factions AEW style. So we'll see. But I think this it, it's something for Scott to do. It's something for Swerve to do, and I think that's cool. Uh, is Dakota Kai next in line? You think for next for the uh, NXT Women's Championship following the loss of Mercedes, uh, Mercedes Martinez on Tuesday? Um, I think they're still going to draw that out a little bit longer. I mean, they're still on the same page. It wouldn't make too much sense to say that they're going to... I think eventually we'll get, like, Jealous Dakota, and then they'll do the match between them. I think they'll... They're still, like, on the same page, so we'll let it go out a little bit longer. But I think probably going to the summer, probably, they'll, Dakota will start getting jealous, and then we'll get the feud between them, too. Well, I say that just because they aired a video on their YouTube channel of Dakota getting jealous or whatever. Um, they didn't put it on the show, which is... I don't know why, but they, they showed her getting jealous after... Raquel uh, went up to Mercedes and showed her respect, so I guess we'll see. And do you think that's it for Escobar in the Cruiserweight division following his latest loss to Kushida? That's got to be it, right? Yeah, I hope, I'm hopeful. Uh, well, I love Escobar. I just think he's the branch away from the Cruiserweight division. I mean, nothing against the Cruiserweight. It's, it's kind of just there at this point. I think he's destined for bigger things. Yeah, it was cool to see him in the main event. It was cool to see the Cruiserweight Championship showcase, but it's got to be uh, on and off to bigger and better things from there. You got some time for WrestleMania Backlash predictions? Always. All right, so we got a pay-per-view on Sunday. Six matches currently lined up for the show. Um, You know, again, we said earlier, and I honestly completely forgot until like a day ago that we have a pay-per-view on Sunday. But you look at the matches advertised, and the show has potential. I think this could be a show where expectations are low because the build on Raw has been terrible. Um, SmackDown's been better, a lot better, I think, personally. 
And some of these matches are rematches, and some of them I don't really have a lot of, you know, equity or stake or excitement for, but I do think it's going to be a good show overall, personally. If anything, just just solid. Probably not a great show, but probably just solid. And I expect more matches to be added. Um, we are still in a pandemic here, so I imagine the show will be shorter per usual, which is great. I love the two-and-a-half-hour shows. It's perfect. Absolute perfection, I tell you. So we start off with Damian Priest versus The Miz in a Lumberjack match from the Raw brand. Now, Priest bit, beat Morrison on Monday. He beat Morrison the week before that. He beat Miz a month ago. I mean, he's beating them like a fucking drum. It's time for Priest to finally beat Miz and move on, right? I mean, there's no way Miz wins here, hopefully. I mean, the fact they're still doing this, I, I think Miz and Morrison are decent. Like, they're good. I just feel like they've been, they've been featured as job guys, so... Uh, I would have Priest one here. I mean, there's no reason to really keep it going any further. And I just, I think Priest is, at this point, he should be breaking out. No need for the Miz to win there. Do you think they're doing this dissension between Miz and Morrison because they're breaking them up soon? Yes. And I hope so. I think they got to be broken up. I think they're better off as single stars anyway at this point. Uh, speaking of tag teams, Dolph Ziggler, Robert Roode, Ray, and Dominic Mysterio for the SmackDown Tag Team Titles. I think the Mysterios can win here, dude, but I really would keep the belts in Ziggler and Rude, if only as I tweeted out last week, so the Mysterios can win it on Father's Day. I feel like we're so close. I mean, how do you not do that? So I'm picking Ziggler and Rude, if only just because I think it's too soon for the Mysterios to win. Well, I'm, I'm so against that. Mysterios all the way. I can't just wait for Father's Day to do it. Have them win it's here. a month! Honestly, we're literally honestly. a month away. It's the next pay-per-view. Okay, I, I mean, I, it's like I get it, but it's just like they lose here, then like what's gonna? I mean, I guess if they get cheated out of the win, I don't know. It just I would have them win here, but if anything, I'd have them win here and then have them lose next month to the Usos. But don't you dare thing. have them lose on Father's Day. That is complete bullshit. Like what? Vince gives a crap. Oh, yeah, he's not a great father himself, so I can only imagine that he would do that. What are your thoughts, by the way, real quickly, on uh, Jimmy being back on SmackDown? Finally. Uh, I liked it. I, I popped big. I, I think the Usos together. I mean, I think Jim, Jay was the one that was still there, right? Jimmy just came back. Yes, Jimmy just came back. Yeah. Right, my, I think Jay actually did a great by himself. I think we always talked about, like, oh, like I don't care about the Usos by themselves, but, like, I think he had a, had a pretty breakout year for himself. I mean, obviously he re- realigned with Roman, but I think in his singles matches and just kind of when he was before he kind of aligned with Roman, I mean, I thought he broke out. So I, I, I'm very impressed with him. I like the Usos as a team, obviously, and I think they'll be getting uh, SmackDown gold very soon. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I guess only time will tell, but uh, the Usos will be champions at some point. Um, I do think the Mysterios will win them first. I just would wait until next month on Father's Day, but that's just me personally being, you know, the weirdo that I am. So we move forward to the next match. We have Bianca Belair and Bayley smacked on Women's Championship. Slam dunk win for Bianca. No no questions asked. Oh, easily. Slam dunk, Bianca wins, LOL. Do you do Bianca and Sasha in June, or do you save it till SummerSlam, or when do you think they go back to that? Mm, I was kind of thinking about that as well. I don't know. They're building up Carmella. Like, Carmella won last week, so I don't know if they're going to go to Bianca and Carmella after this, too. Yeah, they could do that. I'd probably keep Sasha and Bianca away from each other until uh, leading up to SummerSlam. But um, I was trying to think. I was like, what else you do? If, if they keep building up Carmella like they seemingly are doing, I guess you could do her and uh, 
do her and Bianca, and I'd be fine with that in the interim. Yeah, do it in Money in the Bank, and then do like a step match at Extreme Rules in July. I mean, then, then you lead into uh, Sasha being back at SummerSlam. I don't know if they'll keep off the. I don't know if they're going to keep Sasha off the show that long, but it's just an idea. Uh, triple Threat match for the Raw Women's Championship: Rhea Ripley, Oscar, Charlotte Flair. This one's tough because Oscar's obviously not winning. Clearly, no, no shit. But Charlotte could very well win. Put Ripley back in chase mode. Obviously, the end game is Rhea beating Charlotte. She's going to get her win back over Charlotte at some point. I just don't think... I, I think putting the belt on Charlotte just for Rhea to beat her for it, like at the next pay-per-view, would be stupid. I would just put the I would keep the belt on Rhea and have Charlotte branch off and do something else and then come back to Rhea and Charlotte for SummerSlam. I don't know. I, I, I just think taking the belt off of Rhea within a month I think would be a mistake. Uh, what say you, though? I think she pins Asuka, but what say you? Hey, you're really wishfully thinking there, GSM. It's Charlotte wins, <laughs> LOL. I mean, that's where the story's going. I don't really want to see it happen, but that's what's going to happen. I mean, what else are you going to have Charlotte do? I know you said you could do something in the interim, but what else are you going to do? Her and Lily. Andy Rose and Dana Brooks some more? Alexa yeah, Bliss. Stupid. Dumb, 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 dumb. <laughs> I Did- guess you could do that, but I haven't. Like, I want to, like, sure, I think Charlotte's going to win, and what are you going to have her lose Alexa Bliss job out to Charlotte now? I, I honestly think Charlotte's going to win here, unfortunately. We'll see. Uh, Universal Championship, Roman Reigns, Cesaro. Roman Reigns wins, but I think Cesaro looks good in defeat. Hopefully they give these guys time, and I want to see this be the main event, but I have a feeling that it won't be, which is why we're saying it now. So I think Roman Reigns wins, LOL. But that's not a bad thing, though, because I think Roman is the best thing in WWE right now. Um, everything about the Roman Reigns character is fucking killing it. So hopefully they get another pay-per-view match out of this going into the Money in the Bank pay-per-view. But either way, Roman, I think I think his reign continues well into the uh, second half of the year. Oh, easily. I think the next two matches, we can just say it now, Bobby Roman wins, LOL. Um, Roman's been the best guy in the wrestling business since his return. I mean, he's fucking money. Um, if you can't see it, you're fucking Stevie Wonder blind. I mean, <laughs> he's just a fucking star. I mean, his new theme's amazing. He just... I started to really ch- channel his inner heel. Hame is amazing. I mean, he's just the man, I think. And then going to the next match, I, I just think Bobby is, I mean, that's a shoo-in win as well. I think we've already said we think it's going to be Jinder Drew next and then Strowman, whatever. Maybe Sh- him and Shane can run it back. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, is that a shoo-in, though? Because I think there's a chance that Drew could pin Braun and get the belt back. And you could still do Drew and Jinder just be for the championship. I hope that doesn't... And I like Drew a lot, obviously, but I just don't want to see him get the belt back right now. No, thank you. I'd rather keep the belts on Bobby and Bill do a Brock match at SummerSlam. I feel like that makes more sense. Well, it does. I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know. But either way, I think Bobby, I think it's still too soon. He's only been champion for two months, which is a decent amount of time, but he can be champion for another two or three because he's been doing great work. And I don't know. If Drew wins, does Jinder immediately get a title shot? Like, no. So, I don't know. Honestly, if anything, I could see Jinder costing Drew the match on Sunday. I could totally see that happening. Uh, but either way, I'm looking forward to this yeah, match. What would you say? I'm fine with that as well if that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, they teased it on Raw Talks. That's why I say that. He was talking about the title picture, and why would he talk about the title picture unless he was going to be in the title picture at some point? So, um, I, I could see Bobby pinning Braun, hopefully, and Drew being attacked by Jinder or some shit. And I don't really care about Drew and Jinder, but at least it makes some sense, and it keeps Drew busy. So, I guess it's something. But they need more players on Raw. You know, I complained earlier about AEW. They don't have anyone ready for Kenny right now. At least with Kenny, they have people waiting in the wings to challenge Kenny at some point. 
So, you know, at least they know that. At least they have him. You know, they have opponents for him at some point. They don't have anybody for Bobby. <laughs> like, nobody. Like, there's nobody on Raw right now that is remotely close to that championship scene. Like, AJ and Orton, maybe, but they're busy in the tag team division, of all things. Which, I guess, helps the tag team division, but I don't know. It's not exactly helping the WWE title scene. And Bray's gone, and Keith Lee's out right now, unfortunately. Hopefully, he's back soon. I don't know. But either way, Bobby should win. I completely agree. And that's it for the WrestleMania Backlash predictions, and that's it for WrestleRant Radio today overall. This has been a great time, Mr. Marceau. Uh, any closing thoughts as we ride off into the sunset here? Get vaccinated, people. I was literally about to say, I knew you were going to say that, get vaccinated, fully vaxxed, Mr. Marceau over here. Uh, his little PSA, so I love it. Mr. Marceau, I'm looking forward to seeing you next Sunday. I can't wait. Sounds good. Can't wait. Take care, brother. Have a great one, and I'll catch your ass down the road. See you later.